0: I just want to start this morning by sharing that we had a couple new people in the band. So we talked about joy and the new things God is doing. Can we just offer them a variety of welcome? Thank you for being here for being part of our band and our music ministry. We are so grateful for it. We are in a message series about joy and fun, right? There is so often that, especially in church, especially in church, We are kind of leery of having fun. In our lives, many of us wake up and go through the motions of our lives absent of any real joy or fun in our lives. So what is it that God offers us in this world that we can begin to have joy and experience fun all over again? I think we have to be honest about what it is in this world that robs us of joy. And I think all of us can be honest this morning that the brokenness and pain of this world robs us of joy. The brokenness and pain present in this world robs us of joy. Job loss, terminal illness diagnosis, grief and loss, financial worries, divorce or breakup news, like every time you turn the news, The brokenness and pain of this world will rob us of joy. Most of my life, I thought that joy was having the perfect life. Anybody else thought this before in your life? You know, a three-bedroom, two-bath home full of 2.4 children with a wonderful husband. A job that makes, you know, about $100,000. Friends to eat pizza and watch football with a perfect school for my children to go to, a perfect degree to hang on my wall, a perfect house to live in, a perfect car to drive, perfect friends to have fun with, perfect everything. Anybody ever thought that's what would bring them joy in their lives? This is no offense to my house, to my three children, because 2.4 apparently rounds up to three now. Um, (laughs) My three children, my wonderful husband, um, this job doesn't make $100,000. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, I, eat, I eat pizza with my friends, but we don't just watch football. They bring their pain and their hurt to my dinner table. They bring their joy and their lives with them. My kids don't go to a perfect school, but I roll up my sleeves as a volunteer and I work with the kids who aren't quite making it every day. I don't have the perfect degree hanging on my wall. In fact, it wasn't the degree that I thought I would have. I don't live in a perfect house. Um, I have lots of weeds in my front yard. I don't drive the perfect car. I hit the air-conditioned thing at Chick-fil-A too much for that to happen. Um, it's, it's fine. I will tell y'all a quick story about that. There was this other black, I drove a black, a black Volkswagen Atlas And I usually can, like, spot it in the parking lot because it has this big dent in the front where I hit that air-conditioned at Chick-fil-A. Y'all know what I'm talking about? No, because you probably never hit it because that's what people usually don't do. But there was this dent in this car, this black Volkswagen Atlas, and I was, like, trying to get into it, and the mom comes up. I was like, we have the exact same dent. She was like, did you hit the air-conditioned at Chick-fil-A? I was like, yes! So, uh, (laughs) that's how you find joy in, life. find other people who wrecked their car. <laughs> like those, you know those chick I've iPad people are, like jumping them back. And my kids were like, what are you doing mom? I'm like, get these some chicken nuggets, just smile. Um, anyway, my life is not perfect, obviously. Um, my marriage, you know, at times it struggled. I thought I'd be a teacher and I'm a pastor. I went to seminary at Vanderbilt University um, where like lots of good rich people go in the South. And I wound up working in prison ministry and public housing with homeless and hungry people, with women who were sex workers. I didn't have children when I thought I would. We struggled with infertility. And we lost friends and kids that we coached. We dealt with grief. Life has so many circumstances that we face every day that will rob us of joy. Failure and defeat, sorrow and pain, Oppression and injustice depression and addiction anxiety and terminal illness. There are moments in our lives when We have to look at the world around us and we have to be like what is the point? What is the point of all of this? What is the point? We need something to save us from the misery of this life, right? We need something to save us from the misery of this life. This is the kind of world that a prophet, a guy who speaks of the truth of God, prophet named Isaiah writes to. The people of Israel, this nation that was promised a perfect life in the promised land, endless cucumbers and pomegranates, all the olive oil and wine you could want, milk and honey, it was going to be perfect, right? But what happens is imperfect people move into this perfect land and life isn't so perfect. They had to do one thing, live up to the promise they made to God and they didn't do it. And what happens so often when we take control of our own lives and when we start to not look or pay attention to the things it is that God asks us to do, before we know it, we're living outside of the promises of God. We don't have cucumbers or pomegranates or milk or honey. But there are other things. McDonald's french fries and Chick-fil-A nuggets and air conditions that you hit in the drive-thru, right? This is what happens when we live outside of the promises of God. It is what the Israelites call exile. They were literally pushed out of their land into a land full of food they didn't know anything about. In a world where no one spoke the language that they spoke. They didn't enjoy the rituals that they knew. They were living in a foreign land. A land with disease and pain, brokenness and grief. Just like you all, the people of Israel sat in front of Isaiah, sad and miserable. And they wanted someone or something to come save them. What can your God do for us, Isaiah? That's what the people said.
1: What does your God
0: offer to us? And you know what? You know what Isaiah describes to them? He describes not some superman who's going to fly in and destroy all the evil things that they're dealing with and rescue them from their mess and drop them in a perfect land. Listen to what God describes through Isaiah to the people. Here is my servant. Coming soon is my servant. Not superman. Not some dictator or army ruler. My servant. In a world of... Filled with grief and pain and brokenness and shame and failure and divorce and bankruptcy and oppression and violence. God promises to send a servant to serve what? Whom I uphold, God says. My chosen one in whom I delight. There's going to be joy and delight again. God says I'll put my spirit on him and he'll bring justice to the nations. You finally want people to get what they deserve? Your, your Savior, your servant and I'm sending is going to bring justice to the nations. But he's not going to do it like we thought. Listen to this. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. He's not going to make a big show of it. A bruised reed he will not break and smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, within the promises and kingdom of God, this guy that's coming to save you is going to bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged. When the circumstances of disease and famine and life and war face him. he's not going to lose hope. That's what he says. He will not be dis- discouraged until justice is established on the earth in his teaching. In his teaching, not in his his war strategy, not in his economic plan, not in his perfect business idea. In his teachings, in his teachings about the promises of God, the islands will put their hope. Are we beginning to hear how our ideas of justice, I, I, how our idea of joy is different than we thought? In his teachings of the promises of God, we put our hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs in it, who makes a beautiful fall day in Florida thanking Jesus, who gives bread to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you all, the people of God, into righteousness, into living in a right path. I'm going to take hold of your hand. It is going to be hard to walk the path that I've asked you to walk. I'm going to hold your hand while you do it. I'm going to keep you and I'll make you to be a covenant, a promise bearer for the people. You, through this servant, will be a light to the Gentiles, people who are lost and desperate and living in darkness. You will be a light for them. You will open eyes that are blind, people who can't even begin. To see the light of day. You will be a part of opening their eyes. This is Isaiah's words for the people of God, and they are just as true today as they were thousands of years ago. You all will be used to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, God says, That's my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. All those things that you think are going to have more power than God. They are not more powerful. They are not more powerful than God. Listen, this is my favorite verse and maybe the whole Bible. See, the former things have taken place. He tells these people, you've already broken my covenant and the promise. You've already done things that you weren't supposed to do. The former things have already taken place. He says, they're in the past and new things I declare. Someone in here This morning needs to hear this. Those former things are in the past. They're done. And God is ready to do a new thing in your life through Jesus. And before they spring into being, I will announce them to you. This is what He tells us to do. Sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the ends of the earth, who go down to the sea and all that is in it, your islands and all who live in them. Sing to the Lord. A new song Sing to the Lord A new song God sends a servant To save us This morning This morning for those of you Struggling to find joy In the midst of whatever it is You're going through I want you to hear a few things That I think God speaks to Isaiah About joy That Isaiah shares with the people First of all, joy is Defiant. Joy is defiant. Nothing will discourage Jesus from bringing this, is what, from this Messiah, this Savior. Nothing will discourage them from bringing it. I'm going to do it a different way. You think this leader is going to stand up in the street and shout and declare whatever? No. He is going to to speak it peacefully over us. Joy is defiant. So many of us. Joy is just going with the flow, right? Just smiling no matter what what's happening. Joy is the strength to defy the forces of this world when everything else says just get swept up in the current and, and and keep going with this toxic relationship because you need the perfect husband and house. Or just keep going with joy says no, no. The one who comes to save me offers me something different. I don't need everything the world. I don't need the perfect degree hanging on my wall. I don't need to live in the perfect house. I don't need to ride the perfect car. I don't need the perfect friends. I need a Savior who will teach me and lead me, who will hold my hand and walk with me as I walk on a path that defies all of the things in this world that will rob us of joy. Joy is defiant. Joy is hopeful. So many of us are living lives lacking joy because we have no anticipation that the goodness of God is actually going to roll down like a mighty river one day. We have lost all sense of hope that one day we will ride down the street and there isn't going to be homeless people on the corners. One day we will sit in a restaurant and we will not be in the room with people who struggle with alcohol addiction. One day people will sit at our tables. And they will bring the hardest and worst pain of the whole world into our lives. One day there will be no more cancer. One day the goodness of God is actually going to roll down like water. We have forgotten that. We have forgot to live with people who have been promised that the former things, the divorce, the bankruptcy, all the mess, of like the former things have passed away. And there is somebody who is bringing a new world into, this, into our world. And his name is Jesus. He's our Savior. We have forgotten to hope. We have forgotten that God promises to do a new thing, and we don't live our lives anticipating the hope that God might bring in us and through us, and we instead get caught up in all the circumstances of life. Joy is hopeful. If you are living life dreading tomorrow, my question to you is, could you trust the former things of this world? Can you them in the hands of God? Through Jesus, turns them into something new. Joy is active; it is not passive. Okay. Last week, Chris threw a beach ball out, and y'all all like, you know, busted it. Actually, is what he did to <laughs> <Do> it. They <laughs> busted the beach ball that Chris had been like, put, put around. It was really funny. Um, joy is active, though. You participate in joyful things. You don't just sit back and wait for joy to find you. You are actively out in the world, announcing through your hands and your feet that God is going to do a new thing. You put quarters in a laundry machine for people who can't afford to do their laundry. You sit at a table and you mentor kids at Monty who need a lunch buddy. Joy is actively saying God is going to do a new thing. Joy feeds people who are hungry. Joy sits with people who are hurting. And we anticipate and speak and announce the hopeful thing God is doing with these hands and these feet and this mouth and these ears and these eyes and this body that God has given you sitting in that green chair. Joy is active. Jesus, when he came, he didn't walk around. He, I, I mean, he walked around. He was active, right? He didn't just sit in a throne and give out orders to everybody. He put on normal people clothes and he fed them bread and fish. He talked to the poorest and the and the most ignored and the most disease-ridden people. He talked to the richest and the the most figured-out people in the world. He actively engaged in relationship with them all and announced the new thing God was doing. He actually fed them. He actually healed them. He actually helped blind people to see. Joy is active. It doesn't just sit back and wait for things to come in the world. Joy is active. We actively announce it every single day. Joy shines light. Did y'all hear that? God wants to use those of us in this room who believe in and follow Jesus to shine light, joy actually actively shines light in the darkest and most desolate and desperate places in the world. Joy actively shines light. If you are having a hard time this morning figuring out what in the world you're going to do tomorrow that would be joyful, what would it look like for you to shine light? Could you make cupcakes tonight and take them into work? Could you get some almonds? If people well, almonds, I don't know what your people work eat, or I don't know. Third Chick Fil A on Monday. It's close today. Uh, just watch for the air conditioning. Joy shines light, actively shines light, and it ignites change. Did you hear that? Jesus was going to throw open the prison doors. Things were actually going to change. The blind were actually going to see. The hungry were actually going to be fed. Joy ignites change. It changes the things in this world, the systems of racism and homophobia, all those things. Joy actually changes those things and helps us to focus on the change that God wants us to have. One of the things that taught me the most about joy was when I was in divinity school, I worked with a woman named Tulum. Tulum had this blonde, curly hair, and his brightest smile you've ever seen in your life. She was a pastor, um, a Disciples of Christ minister, and she also founded a project called the Nashville Food Project. And so when everybody else fixed meals for folks experiencing homelessness and expecting them to come in to get the meal and they would serve them and then, you know, sit down with them. Talu would go to, to Whole Foods and get the food they were about to throw out that wasn't quite bad yet and she whipped up this amazing healthy dish and she put it in a food truck and her and some volunteers would drive to a motel where women who were sex workers lived with their children. And she would feed women and children. She said, this is not what I expected. I expected to wear a robe and a stole, you know, look fancy on Sunday mornings and pulpit, and instead what God asked me to do was to feed hungry people and leave his church in offering something new to people. She lived a life that believed God would actually do something new here and now. When Jalou was 41 years old, about two years ago, she was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer. It was a terminal diagnosis. And we all, i like, I'll be honest, I was angry She had children six and eight years old. She had a wonderful husband. And she had built this national food project that grew food all over the city. Like, Chris had a youth group, and they grew food for this national food project and, like, donated it. So these kids who were stressed out and anxious about what was happening in in school and in their tests would, like, play in the soil and the dirt. And, like, you literally watched their anxiety melt away. Like, she actually ignited change by feeding these people in the way that she did. And then she's diagnosed with, with brain cancer as a 41-year-old. I, like, I was mad, but we all watched how she did it, and I will never forget when she announced this. She said, I spent my whole life, I spent my whole life believing that God was actually going to do a new thing in the lives of people, and now I have to believe that God is going to do something new and is actually powerful beyond this. I spent my whole time fighting the things of death and destruction on this side. And now I have to believe in a promise that is bigger than this life can hold. And I remember her writing things. It it was not this this joy that was like, oh, I'm going to pretend like everything is fine. In the midst of pain and hardness, she just clung to a promise that she spent her whole life Giving to people who needed it. She began to cling to God to actually do something new. This is what Jesus does. Jesus, the servant, came and he showed us how to live. But he went to a cross and he died. Brokenness and pain and grief. And then, on the third day, God rolled the stone away from that tomb. The dead, the brokenness, the pain the hard hearts he rolled that stone away and our savior our servant defeated death now and forever that line between serving women and their children in terrible hotels just to be honest in nashville that line between doing that work and the work of experiencing a new body and a new brain and a healthy life that line was defeated and destroyed by jesus It causes you to live with a joy that defies everything that makes sense on this side of heaven it doesn't make sense but it is what we believe in because Jesus actually came to save us from the things that threaten to rob us of all joy we begin to actually live like this isn't all there is because it's not but we don't we don't just sit in here and act like passively wait for that to happen We also believe in dragging that heaven to earth here and now, and we do so until our dying breath. Joy is defiant. It doesn't pretend like life isn't hard or broken or there isn't grief or terminal diagnosis. This is what joy does. It actively believes God is actually doing something. It goes and visits people in prison. It serves the homeless and the hungry. It believes that women and children of all kinds are worthy of food. And in the midst of the hardest and darkest moments of our lives, like Tallulah, we still cling to the light and the new thing God will do. We don't pretend like it's not hard. We don't pretend like grief isn't real. But we do say it doesn't have all the power. This is not all there is. Whatever you are sitting in this morning, I need you to hear this isn't all there is. God wants to rescue you from what you are experiencing. He wants to shine light in your life and he wants to ignite a change in your heart. And he wants to use your hands and your feet to tell a world about that. And in your darkest and hardest moments, when you have practiced bringing that to the darkest and most desolate places in our world, in your darkest and most desolate moments, just like Tallulah, you will cling to that power and that hope that defies all things that make sense in this world. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not let that servant save your life, this is the morning I ask you to make that decision. I ask you to cling to the to the Savior who will save you from the muck and the former things and who wants to do a new thing in your life. If you've been coming here a while and you can't figure out how to, to shine light or ignite change or use your hands and your feet to make this world different, I'm going to be in the back and i will pray over you because it is time for us, the people in this church, to drag that new thing to the world right now. If there's somebody in here, who just has a really hard time believing God is actually going to fulfill that promise, maybe he made the decision to let Jesus save your life, but you're having a really hard time believing Jesus will actually do that, Chris and I are going to be in the back in just a few moments, and we want to pray with you. This is what I believe. I don't believe that I went to a football game yesterday, hit Chick-fil-A air conditions and all that this week, and stand here this morning for nothing. I don't believe you all... Worked hard to get here this morning for nothing. This is what I believe. That this is the morning God's going to start to do a new thing in the lives of you. And I believe this moment, I believe there will be a moment when you look back in your life, you'll be like, that's the moment that God started something new in this world through you. You are worthy. God came through Jesus to serve and to save you. His hand is reaching out to you going to walk with you through it. Take it. It's time for us to walk with a God on the path of righteousness to do some some mighty things to shine light and ignite change. Amen? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for each person in this room. I thank you for those this morning who've made the decision to follow your son Jesus, to give their lives to him, to save them and make them. I pray this morning over the people who are having a really hard time letting the former things go and cling to you for the new thing you promised to do in their lives. I pray this will be the moment you give them strength, God. And I pray for those in this room who are ready to actively shine your light and ignite your change. Give them energy and persistence. Give them courage and strength. Give them boldness and fierceness. Help them to defy the things in this world they may experience joy.